Surely among the sweetest blessings that are ours as disciples of Christ is that we are subject to a call. That is to say that our Lord has something for us to become and something for us to take up. Is that not surpassingly sweet? There is a person and a path that he foresees for us, that he draws us to by his summons. This is indeed very sweet, for among other things, it means that we are not left to ourselves to forage and flounder about, to determine the shape and significance of our lives, but that it is given to us and can be discovered in answer to his call. It is with this topic of the call of Christ upon the disciple we shall begin together and do so by attending to a little cameo Luke provides us as to how for Simon Peter this call began to unfold. And particularly, we want to notice how in Simon's case it came, what in answering that call had to be overcome, and finally, what came of it. Now, this is Simon's story, and each disciple's experience is its own. But Simon's reveals something of the weave of the fabric of Christ's dealings with all his disciples. Thus, it can orient us as to what we might expect in such a call as it comes to us. So, with that in our sights, let us turn to Luke's account. You will find it in Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked Simon to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. First, how did Simon's call come? What was its nature? Luke sets the scene for us on a lake shore. The people in their eagerness to hear Jesus are pressing in and the surf is lapping at his sandals. He spies a creative solution. He gets into a vacant fishing boat bobbing at the shore, Simon's, and asks him to put out a bit. A perfect improv pulpit from which to teach. It was in this context Simon receives his call. Notice three things about it. First, it is personal. Jesus was speaking to the assembled, and Simon may have been one of them, listening in as he cleaned his nets. But at one point, Jesus turns from speaking to the crowd and addresses Simon directly. Verse 4. Put out into the deep. The call was not generic. It was personal. Jesus knew who Simon was. It was not, uh, you there with the net, what was your name? No. It was Simon put out into the deep. When Jesus' call comes to you, it will come to you personally. He will call you by name, knowingly. Even if the context is words to a crowd, they are words he directs to you personally. The call is also personal in that it is adapted to you, who you are, who God has made you to be up to that point. Simon was a fisherman. Jesus calls him to put out the boat, and it's a boat not put out the garbage, to let down a net, not a drawbridge. Now this is not to say that Jesus' call will not burst old categories. Later he will tell Simon he will be a fisher of men. But he always seems to build on what he has made us up to then. Fisher of men. His call will take us to someplace new, but it meets us where and builds upon what we are. Something else we notice about Simon's, and I think every call, it is challenging. Put out into the deep, he tells Simon. Surely an evocative word, the deep. Perhaps I betray my landlubber nature to remark that there is something a little unnerving to the word deep uttered in relation to water. That is where Jesus directs, into deep water, away from the shallows of security and predictability, out beyond the place of confident control into a place of 
venture, and vulnerability. A place of possible peril, but also of prospect. An arena of testing, even terror. Winds, waves, storms, and swells. But also of possible triumph and treasure. Great cargoes are gained across the deep. Many of us would be quite content to paddle peacefully within the littorals of life, within comfortable and comforting sight and reach of the land. Christ's call often comes to push us out of the shallows, to change the metaphor, push us out of the comfy nests to see what our wings are made of, or better, to show what he can make of them. Christ's call is a challenge, but it is also a summons. Put out into the deep can seem like Jesus is sending Simon. But remember, Jesus is in the boat too. Jesus has gotten into Simon's boat, and he was with Simon for the adventure. So Christ's call is a summons. Put out into the deep with me. Join me. Answering Christ's call involves us in a joint venture. There are many things we would never contemplate undertaking alone. But we will not have to, for he will be in the boat with us as we launch out at his bidding. The sweetness of this truth grows over a lifetime. So this is how Christ's call came to Simon. It was personal, challenging, and involved a summons to join with Jesus. But what did this call have to overcome for Simon to answer it? To the call, put out into the deep and let out your nets for a catch. Simon replies, and you can catch his disposition and what must have been the tone of his response there in verse 5. Master, we toiled all night. Christ's call met Simon in his weariness. To respond would require that he rally himself from his fatigue. Now, most in this room are young and know nothing of weariness. Your life pulse runs rapidly. But for others among us, our sands are lower and it is tempting to slow to a coast. If his call finds us there, let us stir ourselves at the bugle's call. And let's let our latter laps be our strongest. But more than from fatigue, Christ called him to stir himself in a venture he could not have doubted would be but futile. 
We have toiled all night and caught nothing. The fish aren't biting. We've tried. I know these things. I'm a fisherman. And since when does a fisherman take fishing advice from a carpenter anyway? So Christ's call, as it came to Simon, ran counter to all his judgment. It makes no sense. His experience? I've tried and failed. It had to overcome his disposition? Exhausted and done. I've already cleaned and put away my nets. And likely, overcome looking foolish in front of his peers. Everyone knows the middle of the lake and the middle of the day is the wrong place and the wrong time to catch fish. I'd only be the laughingstock. All of these are powerful dissuasives to heeding Christ's call. And it's not unlikely that when Christ's call comes to you, it will be circled about by a whole hive of buzzing objections very sober and rational objections. But in Simon's case, he overcame the whole host of them. Notice how. The next four words he uttered proved momentous. They would change the course of his life. Verse 5. Nevertheless, upon your word... Nevertheless, that is, notwithstanding all the sober objections, fully acknowledging and weighing up all of the disincentives, in the face and force of all the dissuasives, yet, upon. Simon's response was grounded upon something. It had a basis. There was a logic to it. It was not irrational or groundless. What was the basis? The grounding? What could bear all the weight of all the objections and still stand? Upon your bidding. Your bidding. He has told me something. Given me a concrete word I can act on and that it is your bidding. Jesus is the one calling me. Here is a solid, twofold foundation of a call sufficient to overcome all objections. He has given me a word, and it is He who has given it. Let me ask you, What is it that weighs in your scale? The numerous sober dissuasives? Or can you say with Simon, Nevertheless, upon your word. Some of you perhaps have heard Christ's call to venture out in some endeavor. But the objections are many and weighty. Oh, friend, cast Jesus' credibility into the scale and launch.
Some of you will have heard that word of calling long ago. Recall it and hear its echo afresh. And let the reminder of who it is who gave it to you fortify you to continue on in it. Finally, notice what came of Simon's answering the call. Or we might ask it this way. What would Simon have missed had he not answered Christ's call? At Jesus' word, Simon puts out into the deep and casts out his net. And in a moment, the net is so full of fish, it starts to break. And as they haul them into the boat, there are so many fish, the boat starts to sink. Can you picture all those flopping fish? Can you feel the adrenaline? I'd call that adventure. When you say yes to Christ and follow him where he leads, I promise you, you will get adventure. You will see and be part of things you would never see or do if you, for whatever prevailing reason, stayed in the shallows. As the psalmist put it, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. When you launch out at His call, you will jump the rails of ordinary life. It will gather you up into astonishment. Verse 9. Perhaps you'll be gathered up into an adventure so big it will require companions. It was so with Simon. Verse 7. Simon's obedience to the call opened up horizons that his friends were drawn into. And they too were able to share in the thrill and blessing of that sphere of adventure. Can't you see them looking up at each other amidst the commotion of the catch? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? I'm sure they thought if they had a moment for reflection among the flopping fish, this is the high point of my fisherman's life. It couldn't get better than this. But if they thought this, they were wrong. As Jesus would tell them, no, it gets even better. From now on, you will be catching people. Verse 10. This is one of those goosebump-inducing things about Christ's call. No matter how good it gets, the best is always ahead. Forever. I don't know how many fish Simon caught that day. But he kept following that call and one day he would catch 5,000 people, as Acts tells us. And even that was not the apogee of the adventure. For as we are told, 
eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor our heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Our call will spill out into eternity, an ever-expanding and ever-exhilarating horizon. There are perhaps some among us who for our autumn or winter season in life may be tempted to think that our best days have come and gone. But for the disciple of Christ, this can never be so. You keep answering the call and there will be no room for nostalgia for the adventure will never peek behind you. It will ever only move toward greater and greater grandeur. But Simon did not only get adventure in answering Christ's call. He also got awareness. At least three epiphanies transpired for Simon in his boat that day. There must have been a moment when Simon, frantically scooping up the fish, realized uh, this is no ordinary occurrence. And then a second awareness broke upon him. This Jesus is more than I ever imagined. On the shore, Simon had thought Jesus worthy of his boat and gave him a title of respect. But out upon the deep, his awareness of who Jesus was grew. Lord, he cries, falling before him. Whatever Simon still did not grasp of Jesus, he knew that he was in the divine presence. Would you grow in your knowledge of God in Christ? Then answer his call and launch out into the deep with him. There you will have epiphanies as to who he is. But Simon upon the deep does not simply receive a greater awareness of Christ, he also gains a deeper self-awareness. No sooner does he catch a fresh glimpse of who Christ is than he correspondingly sees himself for who he is. A sublime trauma falls upon his soul. I am a sinful man. Would you know yourself? And surely that is greatly to be desired for progress in becoming requires telling us the truth here. And not just speaking the truth of who you are, but a felt self-knowledge. These are great gains a growing knowledge of God and a growing knowledge of yourself. 
the two constituents of wisdom, as Calvin claims in the opening of his Institutes. But there was yet another precious awareness Simon received in answering Christ's call. We might call it an awareness of what is ultimately worthwhile. There on the deep, what counted in life was clarified. Indeed, it was so vividly clarified for Simon and his companions that when they hit the shore, with, incidentally, the greatest catch of their lives, it and everything else scarcely mattered. Compared to following Christ in his call, nothing else had any weight. As Luke tells us, verse 11, they left everything and followed him. We might say they had discovered the pearl of great price and it had become clear to them that whatever they left behind to follow, it was worth it. Would you settle forever, decisively, the gospel proposition that the pearl of great price is worth the cost of discipleship? Answer Christ's call. Launch out into the deep and you will clarify that vividly in your experience. This is greatly to be desired. As haziness here hampers horrendously. So Simon gained adventure and awareness, but along with that, in answering Christ, he also received an assurance. Verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Now, you might have thought this assurance was directed at the terror of the boat about to sink in the deep from the overflow of fish. But it seems rather to be directed at Simon's fear of his sinfulness sinking him in the deep presence of Jesus. For it comes to Simon in response to his cry, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Simon's terror-stricken instinct is spot on, for this is what we all really need to be afraid of and where we need assurance most. Simon knew his sins made him unworthy of such divine company. Thus, Jesus's don't be afraid is to say, Yes, Simon, your sinfulness does make you unworthy, but I have addressed this barrier to my company that you feel. And just as Simon did not then fully grasp who it was who could command furtive fish into an empty net, neither could he have known how or what it would cost Jesus to give Simon the assurance in relation to his sinfulness. Don't be afraid. Verse 12. 
he could not have comprehended that the reason Jesus could tell him that despite his many and great sins, he did not need to depart was that one day in noonday darkness, Jesus would receive those very words from the Father Simon instinctively felt. Depart from me. Simon need not be afraid, for Jesus would take the fearsome judgment Simon's sins deserved. And so it is with all who follow him in addressing this greatest of all threats, the sinking weight of our sin, his assurance comprehends all our possible fears. Having dispatched the great fear, he will not neglect the lesser fears. And so, we can follow him into anything without fear. In answering his call and following him, we need never be afraid. How wonderful is this? How often are we immobilized by fears? But we may take Jesus' assurance as a solvent to any and all of our terrors. And how does this precious truth distill into our souls? By answering His call to launch out into the deep and experiencing all along our path of following how indeed, because of who He is and does for us, we need not be afraid, come what may. I love the picture we're given of how Simon began to feel this assurance and how it changed him. John tells us in his gospel in in chapter 21 that once again Simon would be in a boat fishing and once again catch nothing. A voice from the shore would direct him to cast the net on the other side. Once again, the net would straightway strain under a miraculous catch of fish. John, who was with him, knew whose the voice from the shore was. It is the Lord! Where once, in the midst of that miracle, conscious of his sinfulness, Simon's impulse was to flee from Jesus. Now, equally conscious of his sinfulness, he flies to him. He will not even wait for the boat to reach the shore, but leaps into the water to swim to Jesus, no longer afraid. One final aspect of this assurance Simon received. Is it not interesting with what it is coupled? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. An odd linking. It seems Jesus is saying, I am not simply despite your sinfulness, taking you into my presence, 
but into my very purpose I have come to seek and to save the lost. And you too will, as part of that mission, be catching people, not fish. I have so addressed the barrier that you will not only abide this encounter with me, but from now on shall be my fellow laborer. Friends, is that not a crowning assurance? You will be my fellow laborer in the mission in which I came down from heaven. Oh, friends, it is easy to live our lives pleasantly paddling about in the seeming safety of the shallows. Have you heard a call to put out into the deep? Can you hear his voice beckoning you to join him for a catch? Answer the call and launch out with him and yours like Simon, will be an endless adventure, an ever-deepening awareness, and an all-encompassing and everlasting assurance. Don't miss out. When you hear the call, launch out.